Good afternoon, everyone. Uh, welcome to this Monday's Wealth Creation Show. Hi, Jim. How are you? Uh, pretty good, thanks. Yeah, absolutely fantastic. Good, good. Well, we're just setting up there. Jim's streaming as usual on Instagram and TikTok. I'm here in the studio on all the other platforms and our Facebook uh, and YouTube channels as well. So jump in, guys, comments, and we will go through them as we go. If we can, if not at the end, keep it interactive. Today, we are going to discuss do we really need to sacrifice everything for success? And uh, I'm going to I'm going to put a few things to you to, uh, today, Jim, and you could you could speak for your experience and yeah. what your sacrifices have been. I, I know you have sacrificed quite a lot over the years, and we'll we'll talk about whether that was worth it and how much sacrifice. What's too far in, in sacrificing things and what's necessary? I think is important as well. Yeah, makes sense. Um, you know, it's like <laughs> when you read that title, do we need to sacrifice everything for success? And my initial response is absolutely. <laughs> Why yeah. would you? I I think personally, um, everybody's got their own price they've got to pay for where they mm -hmm. want to be or where they want to get to. Yeah. And I don't know what that's going to be. Um, but based on your own personal circumstances and how you're going to get there, you've got to decide whether you want to pay that price or not. That's really what it comes down to. But these are some of the things that we're going to talk about, but the price that I actually had to pay for that. Mm -hmm. uh, and you've, you've got it in certain categories and stuff. Yeah. And, uh, and, and I don't really want to jump the gun and, and talk about it too much. But um, it'd be interesting to see if most of the people that are successful or moderately successful out there are, are on their journey of success. Remember, success is a, is a, a journey. It's not a destination. So an example of that, I would say straight away, is you're immediately successful when you make a decision to actually do something um, and put yourself out of your comfort zone. That's personally for me. Mm -hmm. If you're putting yourself out of your comfort zone, you're probably instantly successful as a result of that um, because you're doing something that you'd otherwise not do before. And by putting yourself out of your comfort zone, you're probably learning, growing in something that you've never done before as well. Yeah. So for me, that instantly puts you in a successful category. Um, hopefully that makes sense for most people um, because if you don't do that, you're never going to achieve anything. Yeah. And show, me, show me somebody that's never failed, and I'll show you somebody that's never succeeded in anything. Mm -hmm. And remember the old thing about, you know, statues are never erected to critics. Yeah. Yeah, it does make sense. And, and it kind of resonates with myself as well, because I feel like everybody is successful, can be successful in their own right, and, and depending on what they're doing and where they are on their journey. Yeah. I would consider myself successful at where I am. Are relatively successful at where I am at the moment because of everything that I've learned and 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 chosen to push myself to do over the you know in the course of the last few years. But then your success is obviously at a totally different level. But you're at a different you're at a different stage in your your story and things as well. So everybody's different. Um, would you say it was true, Jim, that um, the sacrifices for success can't really be measured for, um, by the amount of money you have? I think you kind of you kind of touched on it anyway because you're talking about. A success being what you learn and how you push yourself and things okay well let's <laughs> talk about money and let's get yeah, this out okay. yeah um everybody there's a lot of people out there that goes it's not all about money um but yet money is the thing that we all talk about every single time in day-to-day -day life and it's mostly the lack of it mm -hmm. so to sit there for anybody and sit and say this is not all about money uh, try try doing everything without money then because yeah. you're not going to get pretty far. You're not going to be able to feed yourself. You're not going to be able to clothe yourself. You're not going to put, put a roof over your head. You're not going to be able to drive in a car. Or you're not going to be able to get petrol or fuel. 
you're not going to be able to do anything without money. So let's bring it back to saying that, you know, money is a necessity. It's right up there with oxygen. Yeah. I think what you say uh, quite often, and I think it's very true, is that money is the driver for yeah. almost everything. Um, I think when it comes to sacrifices, you, you do pay in a different way. You pay yeah. emotionally and socially because obviously you need and you need to obviously um, cut the, those things back. Your social time and and you, you, that will affect you emotionally because you're sacrificing a lot. And in order to achieve what you really want in life, you have to make these sacrifices. The the every single person that I've listened to or read their story, including myself, mm-hmm. has. I paid a price in terms of emotionally as well yeah. and socially. Yeah. You know, there was a lot of years, I, well, I, I don't really socialize with people that much. And I was, and I just stopped going out with other people. I, you know what did it for me? I was told the story. I think it was Jerry Scriven, one of my mentors at the time, who talked from stage at that time, all these years ago, more than 30 years ago. And he said, he talked about the story about when he left his local village to aspire to something else in the big city. And then when he came back, maybe 10 or 15 years later, he literally walked into the same pub and it was exactly the same people Mm -hmm. doing exactly the same thing. And he thought to himself, God, I've been away for 10 or 15 years and these people have never moved on. They've just done that. (laughs) That's pretty frightening. And the fact that that's all that's ever happened in their lives. Now, I'm not decrying that. Some people are quite happy where they are. They're quite happy to be in their own environment. But if you want more, that's probably why you're listening and tuning into this now. Because you want more in life. You want more of the good stuff in life. The things that will make you better. The things that will give you better lifestyle, better quality. And you're going to have to pay a price. You know, if you don't pay that price, wait till you get the bill from regret. Yeah. Because I was never, I never wanted to be the nearly man. You know, the man that nearly did this and the man that nearly did that. Or I could have, could have been could have been Yeah. Well, I nearly became a financial director of a of a PLC um, on on the on the grind uh, to actually be a worldwide, you know, in the newspaper and the media and all the rest of it, and and. I'll be honest, thank God I never chose that option. <laughs> yeah. Genuinely, thank God I never chose that option because I, I would hate to think what hamster wheel I would be on right now. Mm-hmm. And, and literally, if I'd still be here over over the probably the numerous heart attacks I've probably had on the way oh, from 40, year, 40 years old and onward. And I know that because I know people like John Lear, um, who was a head of the rank organization at that time. He was, again, one of our mentors. Uh, John talked about that about how he had several heart attacks in his 40s. Uh, my father was the same. You know, he mm-hmm. had several heart attacks in his 40s as well. Um, and and, and that, that resonated with me. And I thought to myself, God, I, would, I, I don't think I'd ever want to be in that position. And I just saw the, the path that I was following was maybe leading me on to a path of success that most people would look at me and think, wow, you're the financial director of a flipping global PLC. <laughs> <laughs> it's like that is success and i'm yeah. kind of thinking no it's no <laughs> but, but success that comes with a big price 
Because... Oh, it's a big price. It's like yeah. you've sacrificed everything. You'll mm-hmm. probably have no family life at all. You'll probably travel the world, and everybody thinks that's really glamorous. But I tell you what, it wears off after a, after a couple of weeks. Mm-hmm. And I've tried that on a on a smaller scale when I was a financial uh, controller at one of our uh, one of the companies I worked in the past. And we took over our sister company overseas, and I had to run it as the financial uh, controller there, and um, more or less the financial director. And I tell you what, it was great in the first couple of weeks having to travel over there and sort everything out and having nights out and I was able to take a lane and we'd have a good time. But then after a while, that honeymoon period just wore off. So, mm-hmm. and but most people would look at me and think, wow, what a huge success. This guy's traveling the world in a suitcase. Um, but that's literally it. You, yeah. You've left your life behind. Yeah, I mean, you started to, to kind of go into some of the, the, the things that we're going to talk about today. But the one thing that you, you spoke about there was when you used the comparison to somebody that the person in the pub that's been there all these years and things. And the big thing for me that jumps through that is change. And, and that's yeah. what a lot of people are scared to do. And it's the one of the main things that you need to do in order to excel and, and succeed and, and, and make your life better is to embrace change. And a lot of people find that difficult. Um, so anyway, let's talk about what things successful people do sacrifice and like you say Jim I've, I've, I've broke yeah. it down into certain sections to, uh, to go through today and I thought the, the first one the best one for me to cover with you and I think would be as time really and you are the self-proclaimed time lord <laughs> but <Yeah>. I think <laughs> time is a really important one the self-proclaimed time lord i yeah. i have announced that i am the time lord the true time lord never mind doctor who i'm a time lord <laughs> yeah. but, and how am i a time lord well i managed to build a system um in order to supply an income to me which mm-hmm. never really relied on my time anymore therefore i bought all my time back and i have all my time to myself for you know to do what i want to do when i want to do it um, I can choose every single day, you know, what I do when I get up in the morning. I can choose if I want to. Now, there is a there is a routine and a regiment I actually follow anyway. Um, and I work in five properties as a result. Uh, and I run five properties as a result as well. But but I could choose not to do that and just sit on a beach. You know, I, I do often think to myself, and I talked to Ian about this this morning, there's often times where somebody asks me to do something and I think, nah, I'd rather be sitting on a beach drinking pina coladas. So I'm not doing it. Uh, and, and and I've got that option to do it because most people would say, I have to earn the money. But it's like, how much more do I need? I don't. Yeah. There's no point. Yeah, I so, mean, we've, uh, spoke, we've spoke previously about how you've built, obviously, a team and the people around you, myself included in things, that helps uh, drive things forward. It took you a long time to do that. See, back in the beginning, when it comes to time and things, did you did you have your own system where you had like to do lists and things that you stuck to and deadlines and you know things that you were quite regimented in doing to in order to maximise the the use of your time? Flying by the seat of my pants. <laughs> Literally, that's how it was. Remember, I worked in industry as a as a financial controller and financial director. So, and I was a part of the management team. So all my life was consumed with that. But the great thing was I worked in local manufacturing businesses. So everything was easy access and easy easy distance to get into mm-hmm. work. So therefore I wasn't losing a, a huge amount of time actually having to travel places. So that was the choice I had. I could either be the high flying financial director at a PLC eventually, or I can choose to be a financial director at a local manufacturing company. Um, and one has huge status 
and yeah. huge rewards later on because I, I probably would have been a, a part owner in that company at the time. You know, I probably would have got share options as well, which I got in other companies previously. Um, but but I, I just felt that, you know, by the time I had built a big enough portfolio, I thought that's where my future is. My future is about releasing my time to do what I want to do. It's not actually embedding myself into more work. So literally, but the, the reason I was able to self-manage about 30 properties was because it was literally because I, I just I basically flew by the seat of my pants all the way through it. Mm-hmm. I, and and it was just, it, you're more or less firefighting as you're doing it um, because you're c- completely consumed. So a typical example was of time. You really didn't have any time. You came home from work and because it was a critical path, in other words, it had to be done in order for the next stage to happen. Because it was a pr- critical path in that, that avenue, I then had to just put my overalls on and I used to get in my car and I used to go out and paint and decorate my own houses. Mm-hmm. And I used to go and you know I used to go and do my own uh, my own maintenance and my own improvements. Um, so I used to do all these things as well, and I used to clean all my own houses as well, and all the all my own bathrooms, my kitchens, and everything. Because remember, you know, when I first started, I was a cleaner. I was a window mm-hmm. cleaner, an industrial cleaner with my father. Um, so I had a bit of savvy in that, and I just felt that at that time that I, there was no one else to do it, and I had no team, and Vitalet wasn't really that prominent at that. Uh, that avenue and nobody really wanted to clean houses there was no such thing as anybody wanted to do house clearances and stuff like that um 30 years ago it was most people really cleaned offices and they cleaned premises but they never actually cleaned buy to let properties uh, because there was no market for that at that, t- at that point in time so i just really had to do things myself or maybe i just thought it, that was what was expected of me so i just constantly went out and did that in the in the thought process that by by doing it myself and here we go spending my time because you're spending your time remember mm-hmm. I was actually saving money but in actual fact I was losing money on an opportunity cost basis mm-hmm. it was it was the fact that the time that I was involved in doing that I probably could have been buying more houses and negotiating better deals and making thousands of pounds more when I was actually trying to save literally probably £10 an hour. So I'm trying to save £10 an hour, and I'm working an hour to save £10, when in actual fact, in an hour's time, I could have probably looked up another property, made an offer, and bought another property, and added a value, and actually had infinite return on that by actually adding the value, then remortgaging it, and getting all the money back out, and then doing it again, and recycling the cash. Um, but there was no one to follow in that model, but that's the model I had devised at that point in time in order to do this. Now, it's quite a common thing now, and everybody go, but that's normal. That's what we do. It's like, no, no, but that never existed 30 years ago. <laughs> there was no such thing as that. So it was the model I actually built at that time to follow, but I didn't, I didn't, I thought, because that's the mental and the mind, the, the, the mindset I was in, I thought about the, you know, I'll save 10 pounds, I'll save mm-hmm. 20 pounds, but I could have been doing something bigger with that time because that's when I had, when you've got scarce resources in something, you've got to make sure you maximize that time as much as possible, whatever that resource is. So whatever that scale, so if you've got scarce resources, a classic example is money. Therefore, you should you should invest your money in the maximum return. You shouldn't just put it in a bank. See that, see how you know that yeah. that happens. People do that. It's like, oh, you could make eight percent and you could have a secure investment with me if I refurbish my property. That's no me, by the way. I don't do that. Um, but but instead, I tell you what, just stick it in the bank, you'll get half a percent, if that. 
you'll never get one percent or three percent if you keep it for six months now but sometimes mm -hmm. three percent and five percent deals are like well it's only up to the first thousand pounds that you're getting five percent percent. so it's it's you've got to look at your scarce resources and the time was one of the scarce resources i had so i actually started to make things more efficient i spoke to somebody the other day about it as well um how in the very beginning I then used to fax, because Fife Council at that time wouldn't accept any documentation on an email. They just wouldn't accept that. That wasn't allowed. And now that seems completely bizarre, yeah, doesn't it? Does, yeah, yeah. But they would accept it on a fax. So facsimiles was legal at that time. An email wasn't. There was no such thing as being legal, an email, because mm -hmm. it, was, it was so easy to, dupe, uh, to replicate or hack somebody's account. Yeah. There was no security in emails. So that's why they wouldn't accept it, but they would accept a fax. So I was able to type up on a Word document the letters required, and I had the templates all the time in order to change the name and change the rent and change the circumstances, and yeah. then fire it on a fax, on a fax card off my desktop on the old dial-up communication. So I literally had to take my, old, my phone out and put my dial-up in and actually then go, <laughs> and when it goes through the whole process, yeah. Yeah. connecting to a phone line for the first time. And that's how, I, that's how I sent things to Five Council. I sent them on faxes straight from my desktop. So it was another way of making things more efficient. Because if yeah. I'm running 30 properties and people are changing over in tenancies and stuff like that, I have to notify the council for council tax reasons. Therefore, it was a quick way of me doing it rather than have to handwrite and print a letter and put a stamp on it and put it in the post. See yeah. the time involved in doing that. Imagine doing that 30 times. The time that you're um, wasting when you can just fax it straight off your desktop. So... It was all these things that I had to work out and, and and the processes that I did all the time that I thought, this is how I'm going to claim back a lot of my time and make me more efficient. Yeah. So I was just gonna... from the point of view, I worked in manufacturing inefficiencies and processes and efficiencies and systems because this is this, this was a natural progression for me to, to be able to make what I'm doing more efficient as well just to get it turned around. I was able to send faxes in the, in the middle of the night as well at one o'clock in the morning. So I'd often yeah. be up to one o'clock in the morning sending faxes to the council. And that is that is really looking at the best way to streamline things and putting strategies in place and making decisions that are going to make the best use of time. Did, did you ever feel, I mean, I know, well, I'm going to say I know you don't, but I'll see what your answer is going to be before I answer it for you. But did you ever procrastinate quite a lot about making decisions or, or were you quite like, I know maybe there's a fine line between procrastinating and making sure the decision's right before you do it or putting something in place, but procrastination can be something that holds somebody back because they do it on everything and it just wastes no. so much time. No, I didn't have time. No. I didn't have time to procrastinate. <laughs> That's a good answer. <laughs> yeah, honestly, time was so valuable. It's like yeah. you just had to do it. Yeah. And this is, this is why most people, the saying goes, if you want something done, ask a busy person because mm -hmm. they, won't, they, won't, they won't do it tomorrow. They'll do it now. And often yeah. I'll sit at meetings and somebody will say, right, that's on your agenda or your list to do, Jim. And I'll and, and by the time I get to the end of the meeting, I says, I've done it. I've sent you. It's like, how'd you do that? I just did it from my phone. I just got it now and just did it. It's done. Yeah. So because I know if I don't get it done now, I'll no have to I'll not be able to fit it in later on. Or I'll have to fit it in later on. And that takes up more time. So when I get when I can do things right there and then, I do it. I don't say Oh, I can. I'll, I'll schedule that and I'll get that done tomorrow. No, I could do it now. Just get it mm -hmm. done now. So that's how I managed to save all my time uh, and and make myself more efficient in that process in order to 
in order to get my time back. But I do regret one of the things I do regret is probably doing some of the labour and stuff, which actually was just stupid mm-hmm. at, the, at that point in time, because it, it took a huge, it takes a huge toll. Could you imagine? Could you imagine working constantly for twenty years with no sleep? It's practically impossible. No. But literally, my sleep patterns were so sporadic and so out of kilter with normal sleep patterns. I, I still don't do that today. It almost it's, it's extremely difficult for me to sleep normal. Nope. Um, whereas, whereas the point, I would just fall asleep on one of the floors in one of the properties, maybe at, at 12 o'clock at night, and I'd maybe wake up at 3 o'clock in the morning and finish off the property, come back to my house, get washed and changed, put my suit on, and then go to work as a financial controller. Mm-hmm. And then I'd yeah. do that every single day. And I would do it at the weekend. Yeah. Sleep, sleep's on sleep's on my list of things to go through with you because I know that's something that everybody has to sacrifice to be successful as well. And yeah. I know it's, it's a, a big part of your story well, as well. Yes, there was to do lists. I put a lot of I, I just did quick notes every now and again. I, I kept a wee notepad, a, a bit of paper. Um, and, a, and a, a pen, and I just wrote down things I needed to do um, so it's out of your head. The yeah. most important thing, I, oh, I see it every time where people go, oh, I'll remember that. You know when <laughs> you see it quite a lot? Restaurants. Mm-hmm. And I know, fine, the order's not going to come as I've just said it. Because the person sits there that. like, Jack the lad, it's funny, it's always guys, Jack the lad is like, I don't need to take anything down. I'll remember your order in full. And I'm thinking, you don't know me. And you don't know what I'm about to order, but I tell you what, you're not going to come and present the right thing to me if you don't take it down. Mm-hmm. But I'll leave them on devices, I'll leave them to do it because I'm like, no, I didn't go, look, you better probably get a bit of pen and pen and paper and take it down. So I'll let them do it. But nine times out of ten, they come out, they don't come out with the right order. Yeah. And, and that's, that's actually write it down. There's a great lesson there. It's for God's sake, no matter how much you think you'll remember, write it down. Because I'll yeah. guarantee you. Sometimes when you when you're when you're saying oh I'll remember that and you don't write it down, somebody rings your phone, you answer it, you go on a totally different subject, and by the time you come off the phone, you've forgotten to write that down. Yeah. And then when somebody says, "Did you get that done?" Oh, oh, was I meant to do it? Eh? Was I? Yeah. I kind of well said it. You agreed. It's yeah. it's minuted in the documents in the minutes. I'm sure that'll sound all too familiar to a lot of people. Um. And I think it's important if you want to stop wasting time and it's important to really start taking action and do what truly matters in order to make the best use of your time. And you just made that quite uh, clear there when you've been breaking down how you approached the the whole purpose of time and your journey. But then the next thing I was going to ask you about is like, and you have touched on it already, um, and it's quite hard not to, obviously, because it's all part of the journey, but family and social life is a big thing that a lot of people will sacrifice. And people might think, well, that's you shouldn't be sacrificing that. I am. Um, I mean, was there times that you sacrificed? Oh with yeah, wife, with with children and yeah. Here's here's the here's the great one. And I remember again, I'll come back to my mentors at the time. It's the old thing about oh, I've got to be there for every single birthday. Mm-hmm. I've got to be there. You know, it's like your kid's one year old. They're not going to remember any birthday. Yeah. They're not going to remember anything. And probably, I think, in the years to come, here's the classic. It's like in the years to come, when they come at you and say, I'm getting married or I'm going to university, can you help me financially? And you go, well, actually, I didn't actually put any effort into actually earning any more money or doing any side hustles. 
because but I turned up to your birthdays because that's the only place you're going to yeah. get the extra time. It's going mm. to be the it's going to be the you know you can't you can't one of the things I, I was a non-negotiable on was school sports days because mm-hmm. I felt that myself my father didn't turn up for most of my things no when i was at award ceremonies my father didn't turn up because he's working and um, when i was at school sports days father didn't turn up because he was still working and um, when we went on holiday my father took his books and he had to work and um, because he was he had a he had a job he was self-employed but he really had a job he never had a business he, he just worked um, mm-hmm. and it was him it all relied on him if he wasn't there it wouldn't happen and um, so he had a job more or less um, so I felt that that was something that I probably I, I, I regretted not having was my dad there just to cheer me on, I suppose, or just yeah. uh, say, you know, that's fantastic or whatever it was. So it was non-negotiable for me about, you know, school sports days and stuff. Um, but things like birthdays and anniversaries and and all these different things, it's like, for God's sake, these are all the things that nobody's going to remember and 20 years time they're not going to say but i tell you what they'll remember in 20 years time when you go oh by the way see you had that problem uh, i could pay for you to go private health care now mm-hmm. you don't need to yeah. wait on the nhs doing that these are the sort of things that i had in my mind about i'm going to build a huge empire to the fact that i'm going to generate so much money and so much wealth that if anything needed done you would need to rely on this current system, the existing system, in order to sort that. And that was even not just for me, but that was for all my family and my extended family as well. And the fact that I could be able to do that. So these are all the things that drove me to keep doing things like that. You know, what's more important, attending a conference that is held by some of the most successful people in the world for a weekend, and it's never going to be repeated, Mm -hmm. or is it your kid's one-year-old birthday? Yeah, I think I think you're you're right in saying like more poignant poignant points in life, like like you say, helping them go to study further education, maybe getting married, and you know, or buying their first house. Being able to help them do that is is a lot more important than, like you say, maybe the first birthday that they're it, never going to have any. It teaches valuable lessons as well, Richard. It teaches valuable lessons as well that your your children see you as the person that's out there for forging the path forward and creating the wealth and the opportunities for years to come Mm -hmm. what sort of impression do you then leave on them about what they're expected to do yeah rather than actually being down the pubs playing darts you know again i come back to saying it's it's the story i always remember in my head of of the you know the fictitious but but i tell you what it's true though it does happen where all these all these guys let's let's just put it on guys because it's mostly it's mostly dads and all the rest of it that's the thing that i saw mm-hmm. all these people that go out there and they're at the pub every single week and every single weekend probably every single night they're playing pool and they're winning competitions and they're winning darts and everything they're bringing all their trophies home and it's all on these shelves and they're showing them all fantastic in the back this is not going to be anything nice by the way <laughs> so you're in for a rough ride if you're listening and watching this but <laughs> Take it on the chin, like I did. Um, this is this this is what I used to get told. It's like you know all these all these trophies on their shelves and everything like that at home. And it's like, look, my kids will be looking up to me because all these trophies. But what's going to happen when it comes for the day again? As I said, your children come to you and say, "I want to go to university. I want to travel overseas. I want to, you know, I need a, I probably need a car as well. I possibly need to rent a house. I possibly need to buy a house." It's like, you know, 
well, I'm sorry, but I really didn't spend any time developing any wealth for your future. Uh, but come and have a look at my snooker trophies. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. To me, that's just a story I never wanted to happen. That's just that's just something I never want to be ever in a position to have to say. It's like I spent my whole life, you know, for effectively pissing it up against the wall, you know, for for yeah. for 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 every for me, just me, selfish me. I'm the one that had the children. I'm responsible for them. I'm their father. Mm-hmm. I'm the one that should be creating some wealth and showing some, showing the way forward and forging the way forward and showing them what they should be doing. Hey, you can still enjoy yourself. You can still have a great life. You can still have that. You can still have a balance. I was just but, about to say that. It's, it's not about neglecting your loved ones. Um, far from it. I think it's about working around your personal life. Like you say, Jim, you weren't there for every birthday, but you were there at the sports days because that's what you felt was maybe important because it's it's supporting them in achievements, basically. Um, so it's finding that balance. And, and like you say, you making those slight sacrifices was allowing you to be more successful and thus this helping medicine this yeah. medicine you're about to take richard okay will make you will be another step towards your long-term wealth for you your family and your friends yeah no sorry i've got a night out with my pals well that's the next thing i'm just going to say to you because i mean there are times where i mean there will be times that you've postponed or cancelled things with friends and 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 social things that you think well i could be doing this and and excelling in my personal uh, my professional life rather than spending time down the pub basically and you, I can't, you can't you can't lead on what we call a normal life like everybody else leads if you want to be in that five percent group you it's not it's not possible to do that it's bullshit if you think you can do that yeah. it's crap if you think you can do work-life balance it's just no possible you have got to make some sort of sacrifices. It's the old thing about what John Paul Getty said. You know, in order to be wealthy and successful today, you've got to observe the masses and do the opposite. Yeah, definitely. And don't Thank follow you. the crowd. You're the sum. Dan Pina talks about this. You're, I mean, Dan Pina's rough, I'll tell you what. <laughs> but he talks about it and he says, you're the sum of the five people that you hold closest to yourself right now. Have a look at them and what their lifestyle is and how they are. Mm-hmm. If that's what you want, then keep listening to them. Keep associating with them. But if that's not what you want, then you probably shouldn't be associating with them. Yeah. Uh, on, a, on a business level, because it rubs off. Mm-hmm. It's the old thing about, you know, my, my mother used to say, and everybody's mum used to say is, don't go about with these people because it'll rub off on you. Yeah. It does. And it's true in, in older age. It's true when you're, when you're an adult, when you leave school, even when you're at school. You know, look at my school. Jeez. It's like I just went about with the wrong. I just went about with the wrong people at school, and that was I, it. I was at the same school, and yeah, yeah. Needless to say, that's who I ended up by getting asked to leave, and you know that's how, <laughs> that's how I ended up taking. You know, they ended up taking the the deputy captaincy away from me for Lundy, the mm-hmm. the house. So I was deputy captain for London, and and I got it taken off me. Absolutely, um, I was I was in London as well. I never knew that. Yeah, so, well, I was deputy captain for a short period of time. <laughs> <laughs> we were at the same school, but it was very different as well. Aye, and years then they combined with things like truant and getting into trouble all the time, even mm-hmm. when, when we were in fifth year, it was like, nah, you you, you can't, you don't deserve this title. Um, and, and and quite rightly so. But but that's where that's where you were, and and at that time, I was never, I never, I never paid a price. I never knew anything about what I knew now. 
No, I think, but when it comes to social and friends and things, if you don't learn to say no, uh, or or give maybe a night out with friends a skip and and put that extra work in or study extra, you can, um, you can do it. You're the one that's ultimately going to suffer for it. Here's here's classics of how I used to do things. So when I was studying for my accountancy exams, Elaine and I would go out for a night and we'd probably yeah. go to the bingo. Because the bingo mm -hmm. was what she liked. She liked going yeah. to the bingo. She took her mum. She took her auntie as well. We yeah. all went to the bingo. So we sat on a table of four. Um, so when it came to half time at the bingo, what they would do is they would go off and do their own things and enjoy themselves and have a great time. Mm -hmm. I would open my study books and I would start studying on the bingo table while it was <laughs> half time. Uh -huh. And I would literally do my exams and all my questions at the, at, and study. And then I would close my books when we're ready to start again. And then I'll start again. That's the type of thing I would I did because I saw the marginal gains in that. And making use of that time. Yeah. Because if you were doing that maybe 26 times a year, which is every other week, um, in any shape or form, it didn't need to be the bingo every single, every single week or something like that. But mm -hmm. if you were doing that all the time. You've got an hour of, you know, half an hour of 45 minutes of study and you can get in every single time. Now, over 26 times, that's 0.75 times 26. That's another 20 hours. Mm -hmm. So you've got another 20 hours of studying. A module, a Scott Vick module is 40 hours of studying. So literally, just by utilising that time in between the bingo or the, the social night out where I studied, I literally almost got half a Scott, a Scott Vick module for qualification in terms of learning. That's a great way to be productive yeah. in terms of what you're doing. And and I still do that today. There's loads and loads of opportunities to be very productive and doing what you're doing. You know, when I get up in the morning, I manage to fit in listening to a diary of a CEO at the same time as reading a book, at the same time as sometimes doing a bit of training. And it's like, this is all the normal, this is the same time that anybody else uses to get ready, and I'm getting ready at the same time as doing it. Yeah. How is that possible? And it's just habit stacking it, you do that. So family and social life, yes. Um, Christmas was a classic one year. I started as a financial controller at VZS Technical Ceramics and yeah. part, um, part of Beaufort Group. I started as a financial controller. I was brought in to, to help them uh, in the management team. As part of the management team, there was uh, there was five of us in the management team. Production manager, the um, operations manager. We had the sales director, the managing director, and we had myself, who was effectively the financial director. Mm -hmm. So we were a nice close-knit team, but the problem was they hadn't got any budgets done. So literally, I had to start on my birthday, which was the 5th of December, and mm -hmm. I had to put together the budgets. I had never put together a budget in my life, by the way, and I had just got an offer of double my salary in a company car. So you had to put that extra time yeah. in. Yeah, so I literally, I had to work on, I remember working on Christmas Day. I remember doing work on Christmas Day to put the budgets together in order for when we were coming back from the Christmas holidays, we would hit the ground running New Year, and mm -hmm. nobody would know any different about the fact that I had no idea what I was doing. <laughs> 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 I literally had my books out going, how do I, get, how do I put together a budget and forecast? Yeah. <laughs> but I knew where to find out the information. That's the key. And you put that extra time and effort in. Yeah. So I put the extra time and effort so nobody would ever know the difference, and they never, ever did. Mm -hmm. Because I learned, I learned straight away because I had that window of opportunity to do it. So I literally spent the whole of the Christmas and New Year holidays doing that. Um, yeah. As well as, you know, when I was at Tillis Russell, we had to go in and work at Christmas to do the stock takes. It mm -hmm. was expected. You were an accountant. That was the only time you could do stock take in the mill. Yeah. So that's when you would do it. So you just worked. That's it. That's normal for you as an accountant. And so these are all things that I became, I, I became 
I became what we call temporally ambitious to become permanently lazy. Yeah. Yeah, which is, a, I, I, I like that. And I really think that, that um, the thought process in that um, is, 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 is ideal for any kind of person that wants to be successful. Here's a really good one uh, when we talk about, when we talk about, because um, there's no in here, um, but uh, family and social life. So yeah. what we did was we used to drop, we used to, uh, I think it was Tony, was our mum, uh, Elaine's mum used to look after Tony. And then mm-hmm. we used to drive all the way down to the NEC and the NIA um, because we were having functions there. There was about 20, 30,000 people in our organisation at the time um, in network marketing. We were having functions there, but we would literally uh, drive down our civvies and we'd stop in a lay-by and we'd get changed into our suit clothes before we went to the function, literally in front of all the traffic. Uh-huh. We'd just get changed. We'd just take <laughs> our trousers off and everything and put our, put our, our suit on and put our tie on and our, sh- our shirt on and everything. We'd be, you know, just in front of everybody. Or we'd drive yeah. a, a field or something like that and just to get it done. Because that's the only window opportunity you had to put your suit on other than mm-hmm. anything else. So that's the type of that's the type of commitment and this the sacrifices you make. And you just get on with it. Because Tony, Tony was literally less than five years old. She's not yeah. going to remember the fact that we were hanging about. Mm-hmm. It's like, that'll not make any difference. It's like the five-year-old. It's like, where did people get this impression that you've got to be around them all the time and you've got to be there for every birthday? You've got to, you've got to set an example for them. You've got to set an example about how the world is. It's not all sweetness and roses. No. When, they and walk, think- when they go outside that door, more or less everybody doesn't like them and mm-hmm. they're in competition against everybody. When they come inside this house, everybody loves them. Mm-hmm. You know, but when you get out there, Tony, it ain't like that. <laughs> yeah, you need to teach the people that the world isn't always fair and it's not, like you say, it's not always It's never fair. You've just got to play the hand you're dealt and yeah. accept it. Acceptance is a real big thing. That you're going to have to pay a price and the price is often family commitments, social commitments, lifestyle, in the early days, remember, I'm putting all this in now in order to be free later on to do what yeah. I want to do. How many people can stop work right now? I could have stopped work at 38, and I did. So I could have stopped work and never worked for the rest of my life and still had an income coming in regardless and still mm-hmm. be wealthy. But I chose not to do that. Yeah. But how many people work till 65? Well, I'll tell you, more or less everybody. And the majority of these people can no longer afford to retire. And they can no longer afford to go on the holidays they always wanted to go on. Mm-hmm. They can no longer afford the cars they wanted. They can no longer afford to live in the house they wanted. They can no longer afford to heat the house that they're in. They can no longer afford to feed themselves properly, all because they didn't pay the price when they were younger. Yeah. Uh, going back to, you say about the early years of things, Jimmy, the next thing, um, that's on the list is, is sleep, and I know that I mean, were there nights back then that you felt that you really and 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 now as well that you feel like you really push yourself? I sometimes got to the stage where I actually didn't know where I was at some point in time, delirious, sleep deprivation because I didn't I didn't sleep enough. I just I just had stayed so much awake. There was sometimes I actually stayed for a week for, for three days. Mm-hmm. with no sleep well, at all the next you'll see my questions because i've gave you copies of what i'm going to ask you so so there's but, sometimes uh, I, I i stayed awake for about three days but then i told you the story initially about you know how i i well 
I used to get up at four. When I started as an estate agent, I used to literally wake up at three and three or four o'clock in the morning. Uh-huh. And I'd go on a recce drive and I would actually go and look in the estate agent's windows of my competitors. And I'd actually be able to see what was on their desk and what they were dealing with right now because they used to leave that all lying out. Mm-hmm. And that's how clinical and analytical I got about the whole thing. You know, and the fact that if I'm going to compete against everybody, I need to know everything I know about them in order to be able to actually get one up on them. That's how I thought at the time. So that's the type of thing I did. But also the buy-to-let properties, it was, as I said, I worked till sometimes. Sometimes you couldn't put a hoover on at 11 o'clock at night, could you? So I often had to go around and just actually use a dustpan and brush. Mm -hmm. Um, And and one of these, you know, roller hoovers that used to get, which were hand held yeah. it just took up the dust and the, the grime and that because the tenant was moving in the next day and it's the only way i could have got it done and there was nobody else available to do it so i just had to do it myself and and then i had to sometimes fit the carpet there and then as well in the middle of the night so it was often quite challenging to get a carpet fed so i used to use a um, double-sided tape on the edge and all the way around mm-hmm. instead of actually using tacks because it was the middle of the night you know you're not going to wake anybody you're going to wake people up yeah. So you're gonna to have to be very, very quiet. So I used to fit my own carpets as well, um, in terms of what in terms of doing that. So I used to fit my own carpets, I used to fit my own laminate, I used to fit my I used to fit my own kitchens, I used to fit my own uh, bathrooms and that. There were some things I wouldn't do. I used to do general electrical stuff, that was quite easy to do because I, I knew all that. Reader's Digest was absolutely brilliant for that, which is now YouTube effectively. Yeah. Um yeah. Reader's Digest book, I had a huge book, how to do with DIY, and it had everything in it, how to tile how to do plumbing, how to fit tarps, how to, you know, fit a, a toilet, how to do, you know, minor electrics, like put another socket on, how to put a pendant light up. All these things I used to follow religiously, um, back to back, cover to cover. Um, and I used to learn all these different trades and how to do things. So it, it's great. But but then I, I grew up learning about cars because we had cars when we were younger and you just had to fix them up all the time. Yeah. So you began to learn all that. So I was I was a great student at that time. Of learning how to do things so I could actually do them off the cuff and I could do them myself when I needed to. So, so lack were, of sleep, lack, yeah, of, yeah. lack of sleep was definitely a thing. And and yeah, delirious, yeah. being delirious now and again was definitely a thing. I used to get tunnel vision, you uh-huh. know, with, with lack of sleep. I just used to and, and then often I used to get obviously the violent headaches and all the rest of it and migraines and stuff. I just used to work through it. And sometimes when I was extremely ill, I'd still went out and worked when on the houses. Because I knew, I knew no one else would be doing it. No one else would do what I'm doing. And in order to be successful, I've got to do something else that no one else is prepared to do. So you're putting in all this extra time and obviously sacrificing your sleep. I mean, so did you make up for your sleep later or did you do like the power nap thing and then, and did that work? Like the power nap? The thing about, you know, falling asleep at some of the floors of the the properties. Yeah, absolutely. I just had to lie down. I was exhausted, absolutely exhausted. I, I, you know, and then, then I've got to give 110% of my work because mm-hmm. there's no way I'm getting somebody to tell me that I'm no pulling my weight at work, especially mm-hmm. if I'm a manager of the team. So I then had to, I had to buy out the park every single day when I went to my work as well. So I had to make sure I was match fit on every single occasion. But I tell you what, it's the old analogy about take time out to sharpen your axe, and I never did. My axe was completely blunt. There was no blooming axe left. Understand? Did that? Do you feel like that cut that caught up with you? eventually yeah well it, it, it's it's caught up with me and it and it's always caught up with me but as i said before 
if you're not willing to pay that price, then then you're never going to get what you really want. And that's what kept me driven all the time. That's what kept me to do it. Every time, every time I just felt felt like I didn't really want to do it, I felt I, I felt compelled to do it. Mm. Often people thought, it's just like, how on earth do you keep that sustained? How on earth do you keep that going? It's like because you're the you're the you're the chief executive of the you know Fife Landlords Association, so you're holding landlords meetings as well. You're voluntary consulting with the council, and you're having meetings with the council. You're voluntarily consulting with the rent assessor. You're having meetings with him as well. Um, so you're doing all these different things, as well as running a landlord's place, as well as having your family, as well as having your full-time job, as well as being in charge of you know a, a big team of people and an in, in industry and responsibilities as well. So you know how is that as well as being more or less the social worker and everything as to my tenants, you know, and now. Now there's about 10 people that do that similar job, but I was doing it all myself in the beginning. Yeah. And it was, all, it was all time. You had, you're, you're obviously going through everything there, and that's that's a hell of a lot of commitment and um, time that you are obviously offering from just yourself. And I think sometimes, no matter how productive you are through the day, you need those extra hours at night to, in order to excel in what you're doing. Yeah, um, now I know that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> now I know that. But at that um, time... There was no, there was no model to follow. There was no mm -hmm. person to follow. There was no example to follow because no one else was involved in buying to let as heavily as me and mm -hmm. buying as much as me and building wealth as much as me and in the buy to let property business. I mean, the people like Simon Zushin and that had hadn't arrived yet. Yeah, you know, the, none of that, none of these training systems had arrived. You know, the pin investors network hadn't arrived. There was nothing. Mm -hmm. So that's why that's why I ended up uh, forming Fife Landlord Association in uh, uh, December 1999. We actually met at the London Links Hotel in our first meeting, and I mm -hmm. got 20 landlords, big landlords. I mean, I'm talking about Summers, and I'm talking about other people as well that I knew of. And I says, look, we need to get together. We need to form sort of association because we're getting bullied and picked on by the by the council. Huh? Does that sound familiar today by the government? Yeah. Yeah. We're getting bullied and picked on by the council and we need to take a stand and I need you with me in order to take that stand. Because if we get together, we'll be bigger. We'll be the second biggest landlord in Fife as an association. Mm -hmm. And that's clout. Yeah. So that's why I did it, to, to protect myself more than anything. And and that's why we've got the, that's why we've got Sal today as well, because that was the same time. You know, John and I started at the same time. He started it with the Edinburgh Landlords Association. Um, Stephen Peasnell was involved in forming SAL, um, was the Moray um, Landlord Association. So they were all different landlord associations. We we all knew each other and we all formed together. Yeah. So but, although so you've put a lot of extra in, but then obviously the rewarding feeling from what you've accomplished then maybe makes that reduced amount of sleep and extra time that you put in worth it. I never had any idea what I'd accomplished, Richard. Genuinely, when I left Martintosh and it was worth 1.2 million, I was like, mm -hmm. when I only, I only calculated it two or three months ago, remember. At that time, I still had no idea up to two or three months ago I was actually worth 1.2 million. That mm -hmm. wasn't 1.2 million of property. At, at that that was 1.2 million in net worth and earning six times of what I earned at Martintosh. Mm -hmm. That's mental. And it's a part you, you still sometimes wonder how did I do that? <laughs> I well, I know how I did it. It was blood, yeah, sweat, and tears, and it was yeah, sheer grit and determination. And it was pulling myself, um, whether I liked it or no. It was literally just dragging myself on the floor to do one more thing, one more thing, one more thing. It's like that private Dawes and 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 uh, heart heart. Uh, what is it? Heartbreak Ridge or something like that. Hawksaw Ridge. 
So you know, private dollars, which it goes just one more, just one more, and take take another person down uh, to to save their life. And literally, that was it. Just one more. I just need to do one more. I just need to do one more. I just need to buy one more property. I just need to invest in one more property. I just need another property. And every single time, it's just another property, another property, another property. And I just kept doing that. And I just kept following that simple model I devised at that time in order to get where I was. And that required all that effort to go in to do that. Well, that kind of brings me nicely on to the next point, uh, the next sacrifice. And that's your health. And... <laughs> <laughs> you obviously say about obviously what you've just said there about well it's just one more property one more thing do you know what i mean would you say in the past while you've been so determined to achieve your goals and progress that you've maybe neglected your body your mind and just your general health obviously yeah i've got a couple of questions coming on tiktok so yeah, we'll yeah, answer yeah. them at the end so hang on till the end but we'll answer them so don't worry about that okay um, um okay so how did it affect my health um i would say it brought me to my knees to the point of destruction mm -hmm. um but I was prepared to pay that price. It was Monte Carlo or bust. It was everything. All everything. I would rather die trying. Right, okay. And literally, I've still got that same rhetoric today. Oh, I'd yeah, literally yeah. rather die trying. Um, you know where I saw that before was uh, Duffus mm -hmm. at Knock Hill. So Alan Duffus, um, and and I think it was I think it was another Duffus. It was his rider on the bike. Um, so just call him Alan again. Uh, and there's called Duffus. There's Duffus Dip at Knock Hill. Mm -hmm. But Alan would rather die on his motorbike than get beat. So he would rather come off and crash than, than actually be second. So he would, he would rather die trying. Yeah, he'd rather die trying. Die trying, basically. He'd risk his life every single time. And genuinely, that's, that's, the type of, that's the type of driving determination I had. I was prepared to die for my dream. Because I never ever wanted to get to my deathbed and think I wish I had. Imagine the regret knowing that you know what you know now and actually reconciling yourself with the fact that you never you came up short. You actually came up short in what you could have really achieved. Mm -hmm. That doesn't sit well with me at all. Eh? No. That that takes a that takes a difficult choice to reconcile with that. Uh, so it, it does take its toll and you know yourself there's we've been a couple of times where i've actually gone to the wall um to mm -hmm. the point that i was actually prepared to kill myself yeah yeah and, and, that, and that... It, was, it was nothing to do with money no. it was just the fact that I, I i am stuck i am on this hamster wheel and i need to get off and so i completely understand people in that frame of mind it's like you know that's and the only way out of that is just actually let's just i need it switched off i need it <laughs> it's, it's too much for me it's overwhelming um, yeah. But I, but I have, but Richard, this is the key here. I notice that other people have got to that stage before. So I, I, I was fully reconciled to the fact that this is all part of success. And I just have to, without, without no, with, without the, without that, there can be no victory. You, a, a diamond, a, a carbon. Carbon has to go through. So when, when a wood decays on a tree, the carbon has to go through extreme pressure in order to come out of the diamond at the end. Or it'll never be a diamond. So if you want to be a diamond, you have to go through extreme pressure in order to do that. If you want to be successful, you probably have to go through extreme pressure to do that. But, mm -hmm. but often what you find is the person that stops short at 99 metres I talked about this on one of the, the podcasts, and you can see one of the blogs where the property video solutions guys, Chris and Matt, 
But I talked about this. Often the 100 metres, people stop at the 99 metres and actually don't cross the line. Um, and yet, yeah, it's only one more one more metre, but they're not prepared to pay that price to get there. Mm-hmm. I was prepared to pay that price for everything. And, and it wasn't for me. I was prepared to pay that price for my family, for what my obligations were as a father, to make sure, because I knew... I knew in years to come, I know, Richard, my children will not, well, they will have pensions now, but they would never have had pensions. I knew that at the time. They would, pensions would not exist. Mm-hmm. The healthcare system would be in collapse. The economy would be in collapse more than likely. Uh, they would be taxed a lot more. Uh, therefore, they would have to have something in order to protect them. And and this is why, this is what drove me to do what I do. Now, whether that works out or no is an entirely different story, but yeah. it's it's my ob- obligation to do that. And I just felt that necessary as as their dad. You know, that's that's me. That's what dads should do. Yeah. That's always been your driver. Your main driver is, is your kids and and then and your family. That's what that's what for me, that's what that's what a father is. That's what they do. That's what my father did for me. I could understand mm-hmm. now why he spent all that time at his work to provide for the living that we had. Yeah. You know, yeah. there's no many there's no many window cleaners that you know effectively it, it had no debt i mean i remember somebody really successful at the golf club turned around to my dad one day and talked about debt and mortgages and they turned around to my dad and went yeah but you you'll understand that jim won't you and my dad goes no i've got no debt at all my house is all my own on the links mm-hmm. i yeah. completely paid off and everything i own is debt free and they're like their face just dropped to the ground as if to say that wait a minute you're a window cleaner and you're completely debt free with all that wealth and yet I'm still working as a really professed, you know, a respected person in society. Yeah, yeah. And I've got no, I've got no got two hands stood up together. I just, that was the day I've actually got a photograph of it. And it sits on my mum's mantle where the guy just walked out the room to the toilet and I just burst out laughing with my dad. And somebody <laughs> took a photo right at that time where we just, we're just like, we're, we're just, it was just comical. <laughs> yeah. But but at that time, I was getting taught by my mentors as well. So I understood completely how that guy was broke at a different level. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But my father was actually wealthy. And yet he was a window cleaner. Because he made the sacrifices and put the extra yeah. time and effort in. Yeah. That's it. Super wealthy. Yeah. In terms of just doubling back to your health, and you did kind of, you've, can't, you, you've already covered, uh, I was going to ask about obviously putting yourself through emotional and mental health at risk and things but you've obviously you've already touched on that what about your actual physical health because if you spend so much time i mean you're you're relatively active and people will know who follow now, you now but, richard but at that time i know i drank a hell of a lot mm-hmm. um and and like most people and and let's be honest with yourself guys and girls um let's be honest with ourselves um i was self-medicating mm-hmm. with alcohol um that's what i did that's what that's what people do when they live for the weekend they've had yeah. such a stressful week at the think the weekend is time to let let loose and actually drink as much as possible and get absolutely rattled to, towards to, till monday's over and back to work um and that's kind of the, the 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 way i was doing things it was just that was that was that was almost like a release but what you find mm-hmm. is that makes it worse yeah that compounds depression you know, it makes it even worse when you wake up the next day and you just kind of do it. So yeah. there was a, you know, I, I was a couple of stone overweight, I would say. Then I'm now, I was 14 stone, so now I'm 12. Um, and that's okay, I'm comfortable with that because I'm healthy. I'm a healthy 12. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was overweight. I was uh, uh, extremely stressed all the time. 
I really didn't have time for anybody. I, you know, I was just overwhelmed with everything, and, and it was just compounding and and coming, you know, imploding in on me. Um, yeah. There was there was, and that's with the hamster wheel. Is like I, I'm not going to be able to get off this. I'm going to have to do this for the rest of my life to keep our lifestyle going. I really got into that rhetoric at one point in time and thought, in order to keep our lifestyle going. We didn't have a lifestyle, by the way. It's like, in order to keep this lifestyle going, we're, I'm going to have to keep earning for the rest of my life. And we're not actually taking account of where I was right now and the fact that you could have walked away anytime you wanted. You'd have over a million if you mm -hmm. cashed it all in now. Why would you need to... And nobody's got that, you know. <laughs> Why would you... But I never, ever took stock any of that. Yeah. I, just, I just felt so entrenched. I was in the trenches and I felt so, you know, blinkered. And the fact that this is where I am, I can't see anything else outside of here. That that that's the that's the that's the path I was leading on the path of destruction, and it was self-destructive. Yeah, do you know you mentioned about like you see about weekends here and people living for the weekend, and I I feel that weekends fall in for me fall in the same category as like holidays, like Christmas and birthdays, and they're just all these things that have been socially ingrained in people to yeah. like this is the way it should be. And it's yeah. well, should it really observe the masses and do the opposite? Yes, that that's for me. That's how I, I look at the weekend and holidays and things. I mean, it's not to say don't spend these times to enjoying time with family and all the rest of it, but it's just get out of that. Oh, that you want to be everybody Richard, if you want to be successful, you're going to have to make some sacrifices. Yeah, and unfortunately, these are the sort of times you're going to have to make a sacrifice because it's maybe important that you have to actually learn something at that point in time or you have to you have to plug yourself into somebody's seminar at that point in time because that's the only time they can do it yeah mm -hmm. you know you have to make that it's like you know like you, if you've got to travel to a real estate conference and you've got to take time out of your work there's loads of conferences i mean i signed up to tony robbins business mastery course and mm -hmm. it was four courses around the world right and i ended up having to say to tony robbins it's like i can't make it i literally can't make it because I've not got the time to get away because I have to keep on this hamster wheel and keep having to work in order to keep this money going, in order to keep this business going. That's what it was like for me when I first started out in Century 21. Mm -hmm. I, I wasn't able to leave because it was reliant on me completely. So if I left, basically nothing would get done and no money would be made. So I literally had to knock that back, even though the first course was over in St. Andrews for business mastery. I actually said, I can't make it for a day. A day in St Andrews. <laughs> yeah. And and I had paid £9,000 for that course. But I also had to pay at that time. I had to pay courses. I had to pay for uh, flights to get to Miami because the next one was Miami. The next one was in Australia. The next one was in Japan or something like that. Yeah. That was the courses. Now, it's great for people that want to do that, but I just didn't have the time to do that at that time. So I actually said, I'm sorry, I can't make it. And I was prepared to lose £9,000 and mm -hmm. Tony Robbins' organisation actually just gave me it back. That's, well. They just paid me it back. I didn't expect it. They just paid me it back into my account. And that's the one thing I always remember about them. Yeah. That was the only organisation that ever did that, by the way. Because you wouldn't expect any, anyone, like any kind of organisation yeah. like that, to just freely say, oh, here's it back. Yeah, no, just says, give it the money. And that's when I said to Tony Robbins, oh, it's all right, I'll get you next year. <laughs> <laughs> you want a photo, Jim? It's like... <laughs> No, it's all right, Tony. I've got to go and get the plane. I'll see you next year. <laughs> <laughs> That's like, work that one out.
<laughs> yeah. Anyway, but um, but yeah, yeah. In, in terms of obviously like health and things, just to wrap that up, is that we we do uh, maybe not all spend like the full attention to our physical and mental and emotional health and things, but you have to be aware that obviously sometimes your body can become overworked so be careful of that but there is times where you do need to push yourself in order to be successful um and successful people may neglect parts of their life in order to improve other parts of their life um but you you can't always uh, have that going on for longer periods of time because sooner or later they will people like musk yeah look at look at Elon Musk I mean you know everybody goes oh it's hellish he's the richest man in the world and all the rest of it and all that wealth he doesn't deserve that Elon Musk put everything on the line on that fourth rocket launch mm -hmm. you see it in, a, in the Netflix series or the Amazon series where they actually the Elon Musk show and literally he's on there live saying to his team this is our last shot if we don't if this isn't a success I am completely cleaned out Mm -hmm. Why do you think he? Why do you think he couch surfers on everybody's sofas and he's at his pals' houses and he he gets fed from them as well? He doesn't have two hatenies to rub together. It's all tied up and yeah, yeah, it's all tied up in his companies. He's super wealthy, but he has no money. He has no income really, but he chooses to be like that because that's the life he wants to lead because he believes that that will lead him to meteoric success. And his mm -hmm. purpose is far greater for the human race than him himself. That's when the need of the many outweigh the few. That's a classic Star Trek Spock thing, eh? Mm -hmm. Where he says the, the need of the many actually outweigh the, the need of the one. And, yeah. and effectively, I bet you that's what goes on in his head. But look <laughs> at the price he pays. He put everything on the line to get that. And that was successful. NASA phones him up and says, you've got the contract for X billion dollars. But if that hadn't been successful, that would have been the end of his journey. And that he would have lost 300 million. Now, he got that money when he sold PayPal, remember? Yeah. And that's how he built that. So he built PayPal from his room, from his bedroom. And then he sold that. And then he put that money into here. So that never happened by chance. He had a hell of a lot of sacrifices. Look at his wife's. It's like his wife doesn't have anything to do with him anymore, but she looks after the kids and she's a best friend with him still, but she just kind of live with him because he's he's completely focused and completely like that. And and I'll be honest, that's what Elaine was like with me sometimes. It's like, I can't <laughs> live with you because yeah. you're just completely obsessed. You're mm -hmm. completely obsessed with business. You're completely obsessed with growing wealth. You're completely obsessed with what you're doing. But I think obsessions are a healthy thing um, yeah. for somebody that wants to be successful. Well, that just nicely brings us on to the last thing I want to talk about. And obviously, we're, we're, we're looking at the sacrifices and we've done time and family and social life and your sleep and your health. And it brings me to your sanity. <laughs> and, and is your sanity something that you sacrifice? And are there days when you feel maybe more stressed or maybe you're, you are tired and overworked and, than other people? And, and do you think that that's, your sanity is sacrificed too much or do you think oh, it's... Oh, yeah. Uh, well, I would never say my sanity is sacrificed too much. Um, there is yeah. occasions I've tested my sanity to the limits. And you know that. You know, mm -hmm. I've literally stood with a loose room in my neck ready to jump off the off the actual chair. Mm -hmm. um, and, I, and I know that time was New Year's night um, one year. And I actually went round to my pal's grave and I actually said, you lucky bugger. You know, you managed to do it because he actually did the same thing. Yeah, I know. 
and I actually said, you know, you managed to do this. You know, how lucky are you? You've got out of this. I actually, I was envious of him. Completely envious of him. He's dead lying in the grave. Which is a dark like, place to be. Him. Yeah. Which is quite a dark place to be. Of course it is. And so, so when you say, you know, was there days that you tested your son? Eh? I think, I think the answer to that is yes. <laughs> I think the answer. I mean, that story. That's the first time I've told that story publicly. I think. Yeah. But yeah. but literally, that's you know that that is the ultimate test of your son. Eh? But you've got to remember. I genuinely believe that's what most huge entrepreneurs go through. That they just don't that tell that story to anyone. They mm -hmm. keep it to themselves because of the stability. I've got no one to invest. I've got no I've got no investors. I've got no shareholders to appease to. Therefore, I can tell any story I want and it will not affect any of my income at all. Whereas Musk, Bezos, you know, all these different people, they can't tell these stories. Because if you look, you know, Musk looks unhinged at most of the points in his life. But if he talked about things like that in these dark times, um, possibly he might not actually get the investors he gets. He would lose following. Yeah. It, it, well, it, it wouldn't. Really, he would gain. He would gain following, but he'd maybe he'd maybe gain the wrong people. Yeah. You know. You know, the following he gains is not money. It's notoriety and fame, and he doesn't want notoriety and fame. That's a completely different thing. So yes. if you're asking me at the days where you feel stressed, tired, and overworked, uh, yes, almost every single day. Every single day. Yeah. And I suppose, and as the days when you feel that you question, like, what you're doing is really worth it all, even though you know it is, and I know it is, but do you question yourself and think, is this really worth it? I'm doing all this. There's and... days when I get crap from some people and I think, what the hell am I doing this, for? this Why am I sitting in somebody's house when they're saying, oh, I'm not really sure if I should go with you? I think the answer is yes. Mm -hmm. Every time I go out to see someone to list their house, the answer is you should always be using me because I'll guarantee you I'll get a result way beyond what everybody else can get. And if you can't see that, why the hell am I wasting my time here sitting here? Hence the reason why I don't really go out to that often to that many people now. I go out to people that are more likely they're just getting me to come out and see them. I have not got my time to sit and tell people in the past what I did was I told them everything they should be doing in order to get everything ready, in order to get their life in order, in order to get themselves set. And then they go, oh, I've put it on with someone else. Hold it. It's like I've just sorted out everything for you for free and the advice and information I've just yeah. given you is worth more than the fee I'm about to charge you. And yet you think it's like I've got to go with somebody else. So this is why I've not got time for some people anymore. Mm -hmm. It's like my time is very valuable to myself and it's about monetizing my time now because you've only got a certain amount of hours in the day yeah. and about yeah. working on your business rather than in your business in the trenches and actually teaching other people to do what you can do and actually making true value of the time that you've got left. Uh, 76-year-old is the average lifespan. Yeah. I've actually got 20, 20 years left. I've got 20 summers, 20 Christmases, 20 Easter's, 20 birthdays. And, and if I'm on average, then that's me dead. That puts yeah, you in a perspective where you should be yeah. spending your time. Mm -hmm. That That's what clarifies your sanity. That's what really zones it in on where you should be. A lot of people, imagine, what would you be doing now if you thought by the end of the year you'd be dead? Would you be doing what you're doing now? You'd be doing a lot of different things, yeah. So why are you not doing it?
You'll be behind your nose and after this. <laughs> <laughs> no. <laughs> it's like, what am I doing here? It's like <laughs> no, no, but I know I, I, when you put things in perspective like that, and it all comes it comes right back to time. Uh, and do you know what I mean when you when you put things in perspective from a time point point of view as well? Um yeah. that's what makes reality sink in. But uh, yeah, you're sanity in things and, and you'll get a lot uh, over the years and maybe still do from like friends and family gym that They'll, they'll call you crazy because you work so hard and i know you work so hard do you get that a lot still i, I know you've got a lot um yeah most people say god i don't can i don't know where you get the energy from i don't know where you get the energy levels and i think your energy levels come from the dream yeah, come from yeah. what you really want to achieve and and the focus you've got and the obsession you've got and the determination you've got to achieve what you want to do i think that's where the energy comes from um from within uh, you can't get it from anybody else. You can get you can get motivated by watching this and listening to this. And some people yeah. run out and go, I'm going to make a phone call now. I'm going to do that deal now. Uh, but in three days' time, I guarantee you that's gone. That that mm-hmm. energy's gone. That's external motivation. You have to learn to internally motivate yourself. And that is really having your vision and having what you really want to achieve. Putting it down to, you know, down to pounds, shillings and pence, you know, in, in terms of that, uh, or and quantifying it in some sort of, so, sort of way. I mean, yeah. if you don't hit it, you don't hit it. Just refocus and aim for it again. But if you don't go for it in the first place, then you've only got yourself to blame. Yeah, I think I think it's really important that it is, I mean, it's necessary to sacrifice and push yourself to be successful. Obviously, don't forget to take some sort of break and, and, and relax in time for yourself throughout that process. Uh, but and, and, and know that obviously your temporary crazy moments when you're pushing yourself and trying to, to succeed that okay they, they are just a step closer to so, achieving what you truly want so the key here is the one that i know now is i know my triggers yeah so i know the things that are going i know when the inevitable is coming when i'm pushing myself too far because i notice there's certain things about me that i notice in my triggers and patterns of behavior that i know it's like whoa rain it back so I'm, I'm, so there's, I, I've talked about this before. There's the line right along there, the fictitious line is we're on right along. Okay. Mm-hmm. And that line is probably the line of, you know, you're kind of working, you're kind of working very, almost flat out. You're just under flat out. So that's the line you should be working all the time. Okay. And then every now and again, you knock out of the park and you're up here and you work up here for a wee while. But remember to come back down. Yeah. But what I was doing, is I was literally just up there all the time, all the way along, way beyond my threshold, way beyond any human threshold, way beyond a mental threshold, way beyond a physical uh, threshold. Um, That was just, it was just never sustainable. But literally, I had done that for 30 years Mm -hmm. and just kept knocking out the park every single day, kept obsessing, kept working, kept going, and kept doing everything to get where I was. but then it's the, it's the price I had to pay. I'm not necessarily saying it's the yeah, price everybody yeah. else has got to pay. Because today, the things that I do in the beginning are so easy to do. Mm-hmm. You know, you've got computerization, you've got emails which are acceptable now, you've got offers you, and acceptance. You've got YouTube, you've got Google, you've, you've got, got everything. It's normality to get a buy to let mortgage, it's normality to get a mortgage broker to get over the line for you. None of that existed for me. Yeah, I had to work out that system for me in the very beginning myself, 
Um, you've got contractors now ready to clean and turn around houses and refurbish houses. That never existed when I was there as well. You know, no, nobody did things like that. And everybody mm -hmm. thinks, well, surely you just get a contractor. No, because contractors worked on building sites and jobs. They didn't go and they didn't do things like they didn't think about things like doing The only person I had was Mark Taylor. You know, yeah. Mark was the one that started with me at the same time, and he was the one that did all my contract work after a period mm -hmm. of time because I thought I can't do this anymore. It's like this is crazy. I'm having I need somebody to come on board with me. And then Mark, yeah. Mark was one of the ones, but I, I project managed Mark as well. So Mark, Mark and I started at the very beginning together. So when I said I did all the houses myself, some of the houses I did choose to do myself because it was jobs that you know, Mark wouldn't want to do because he was doing other things elsewhere. So it was just jobs I had to pick up whether I liked it or no, because there was nobody else to do it. Mm -hmm. There's nobody else to trust to do it. That, that was a that was a thing as well. It's like there was, you know, somebody doesn't have the work ethic of you and the, the cleanliness of you, because I've tried before and you just thought, oh, God, I need to do it myself. Yeah. Um, it's actually getting that right. You know yourself, Richard. It's getting the right people to work in the right team. Um, and everybody has their own different motivations. And it's the whole thing about, you know, it comes a point and somebody says, you know, it's like, oh, well, I'm just going to quit. And it's like, oh, great. I was expecting you, to, you know, to help me with this or help me with that. Uh, and that's the type of things that happens. And you don't know what goes on in their mind and how they're going to deal with it. Therefore, that's another person let you down. And, yeah. and that's what you've got to learn as well. You know, you'll get a lot of people that let you down. Just a fact of life. You're just going to have to you're going to have to live yeah. with that. Um, and that's difficult that's difficult when you when you've got people on board and you trust them and you bring them on board and then they let you down uh, big time so that's a that's another thing you've got to overcome especially if if, if you buy into them i'm I'm a great believer in, I, I, I buy into people they like yeah. become part of my family i'll do anything for anybody richard if you were across the other side of the world and i had to travel across there to save your life i'd be on a plane straight away going yeah. no matter where it was or when it was you know that's what i'd be doing um, but some people wouldn't do that. Some mm -hmm. people don't want to pay that price to do it. But that's the, that's how I buy into people. That's I would do that for anybody I know as part of my team. Um, whether they would do that for me is a different story. Yeah, you know, that's the thing. Yeah, you need and to build the right team. It's it's difficult to build the right team. Um, but um, yeah. when you find the right people, you know. So. Alan Dawson made a made a great point. Alan's no longer here as well. He died of a stroke at fifty five year old. Just got yeah. up one night and that was it, dead. And it's like, holy shit. It's like, how did that happen? Mm -hmm. But he said a really profound statement to me. And and well, it's profound to me. He says, you know, you know your real friends, and you know your real friends because it's if you could phone that person up at three o'clock in the morning, and uh, if you're stuck somewhere and they'll get in a car and actually go over to get you, mm -hmm. that's probably when you know who your real friends are. Yeah. And I thought, yeah. I think you're probably right. And and to be honest, you could probably count these people on less than one hand, yeah. on your one hand. Because while you think like that, not everybody else thinks like that. And and there is people out there I've not met yet, it will be like that, and I'll eventually meet them, and they'll be part of my team, and the same with you as well, Richard. Yeah. And the same with everybody out there as well. There'll be people like that. So a stranger is just a friend you've not... Uh, no, a friend is just a stranger you've not met yeah. yet. Yeah, yeah. yeah you know sort of along that line so i definitely think that's where we are right now um yeah. but it's worth the sacrifice i would say yeah i mean making sacrifices um for success and things and and any aspect of what you're doing is inevitable but always be careful like we've just spoke about not to lose things that matter and do make you happy along the way and hopefully 
everything that we've covered today, if people are going through a tough time and maybe feeling a bit overwhelmed with everything that they're maybe sacrificing, then hopefully what we've discussed today and what Jim's uh, shared about his journey um, will reassure you that inevitably it is part of the process um, and you're on the right path. But uh, just keep an eye on the red flags um, that show that you've crossed the line. Like you, you were oh, saying, aye. you know your triggers and things. Aye. In, in hindsight, I would say, you know, if you are in that frame of mind and if you're thinking oh, this isn't worth it living anymore, um, then definitely speak to the doctor. Um, yeah. I'm no caring, you know, the, the, the drugs will help. Um, I, I don't care what anybody says because they have no bloody clue what they're talking about. Um, things like sactolopram and uh, antidepressants are actually really good. Uh, they're not they're not uh, to zone you out. They're actually um, uh, suppressants for um, uh, serotonin. So the mm -hmm. serotonin uh, suppressants, and you need serotonin every single day for you to feel happy. Uh, that's the happy drug. It sits in your head and it forms mm -hmm. in your gut. And because the depletion of serotonin, and you you end up basically burning yourself out. You don't have that in your mind anymore. Therefore, it all gets dark. And dingy. Yeah. Uh, you have to plug these gaps, and that's what that's what these suppressants are. Um, they actually slow down the depletion of serotonin. They don't build it up; they just slow it down, the depletion of it. And therefore, you're able to build up a certain amount, and you're able to feel more comfortable, more relaxed within your own environment. Um, and that's what antidepressants are for. They're, they're neural inhibitors for serotonin um, to slow mm -hmm. down the depletion. Um, so you should always you should always seek medical help if you get to that stage, um, or yeah. speak to someone. Yeah, me. definitely. Even just speaking to somebody like. always always helps. Sacrifices, like we say, are necessary, but you don't want to wake up one day and find out that the sacrifices that you've made for your your success and things have come at a cost of your. Aye, I know. I know it sounds dark, but you know, when I was saying to you, Richard, about the fact that I, I'd, I'd be prepared to die <laughs> for my dream, yeah. uh, it's like you know that that literally is. You know, I would be, um, but I, I would honestly say to people, it's like don't get to that stage. <laughs> No, don't, don't wake up and like, feel like no, yeah it should be uh, that should be a metaphor rather than a reality mm -hmm. i would say yeah that should be a metaphor rather than a reality they shouldn't come with the cost of your your happiness and your health and your peace of mind I, you know it's easy to message me on social media anyway there's a lot of people message me in the past on social media i've pointed them in the right direction i've given them the right reading material and, and and had a wee chat with them as well and they're all they're all dandy and they're all finding them back on track again yeah. i completely get them you see because i've been there before yeah so i completely understand how they're feeling whereas other people have no idea have not gone through this they just think it's about oh just just you know, buck up and keep going. It's like, no, that's not the thing you should be doing. That's that just kind of makes it worse. Um, you should. This is when the time is to take your time out and sharpen your axe. Um, you should actually go back and actually just go. No, you need to rest. The 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 war. What is it? The 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 battle has the battle has been lost, but the war hasn't been. The war can still be won. Yeah if that makes sense. Um, so that's the key here. So the battle could be lost on that occasion, but the war will still be won overall. So it'll just take a bit more time to do it. So don't worry about it. Your journey, you'll still get there. Um, you just have to refocus. You just have to take time, relax, step back, get yourself sorted, and then go again. Recalibrate, basically. Yeah. 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 Good. Well... That was me for today, and uh, thanks for obviously sharing your journey, Jim, and all your insights and things. And thanks to everybody for watching. Uh, I've got Perry and Pete and things watching at this end, and I believe you're going to do some questions on TikTok when we 
Uh, well, I don't need to do it on here. I'll just answer no, well, it at the end. We'll end it the brigade, and that that'll do. Okay. So thanks everybody for joining in. Okay. Bye bye for now. Bye.